0: Namaskar and welcome to today's episode of The Divine Buzz Diaries. These podcasts analyze global paradigms, they analyze the changing world orders and its implications on India and how Indian diplomacy can or will soothe out most of its issues. We often take help from great people, Um, of course, I can't get in touch with them quite yet. But their books, their words, tells us more. They help us understand and build a perspective. I, Ajinkya Kavale, today will help you and get you through the hard challenge of soft power and public diplomacy. In his book Pax Indica by Shashi Tharoor, who is the member of parliament, he has explained and analyzed how the hard challenge of soft power and public diplomacy exists today. He says that the notion of soft power is relatively new in international discourse. The term was coined by Harvard's Joseph Nye to describe the extraordinary strengths of the United States that went beyond American military dominance. Nye argued that power is the ability to alter the behavior of others to get what you want And there are three ways to do that coercion, payments and attraction. If you want to be able to attract others, you can economize on the coercion and payments. Traditionally power in world politics was seen in terms of military power. Of course, um, the side with the larger military was likely to win and this is quite relevant even today, but not entirely relevant. But even in the past, this wasn't enough. After all, the United States lost the Vietnam War. The Soviet Union was defeated in Afghanistan. The United States discovered in its first few years in Iraq the wisdom of Talleyrand's adage that the one thing you cannot do with a bayonet is sit on it. Enter soft power now both as an alternative to hard power that is military power and as a complement to it. To quote Nyei again, the soft power of a country rests primarily on three resources, its culture in places where it is attractive to others, its political values when it lives up to them at home and abroad, and its foreign policies when they are seen as legitimate and having moral authority. I would go slightly beyond this," says Shashi Tharoor. A country's soft power to him emerges from the world's perceptions of what the country is all about. Its associations and attitudes conjured up in the global imagination. By the mere mention of a country's name is often a more accurate gauge of its soft power than a dispassionate analysis of its foreign policies. In his view, hard power is exercised and soft power is evoked. For Nine, the United States is the archetypal exponent of soft power. This fact is that the United States is the home of Boeing and Intel, Google and the iPod, Microsoft and MTV, Hollywood and Disneyland, Mike- McDonald's and Starbucks, Levi's, jeans and Coca-Cola. In short, of most of the major products that dominate daily life around the globe. The attractiveness of these assets and of the American lifestyle of which they are emblematic is that they permit the United States to persuade others to adopt the US agenda rather than relying purely on the disoercive or coercive hard power of military force. Of course, this can cut both ways. In a world of instant mass communication enabled by the internet, and of course, like our podcasts. Countries are increasingly judged by a global public thread on an incessant diet on internet news, television images, videos taken on the cell phones of passers-by, emails, gossips, etc. The steep decline in America's image and standing under the Bush administration after the 9-11 is a direct reflection of the global distaste For the instruments of American hard power used by the government, Iraq invasion, Guantanamo, Abu Ghraib, torture, retention, Blackwater's killings of Iraqi civilians, etc. But this discussion today is not about the United States. In his book, The Paradox of American Power, Ney took the analysis of soft power beyond the United States. Other nations, too, he suggested, could acquire it. In today's information era, he wrote, three types of countries are likely to gain soft power and so succeed. Those who dominate cultures and ideals are closer to prevailing global norms, which now emphasize liberalism, pluralism, autonomy. Those with the most access to multiple channels of communication and thus more influence over how issues are framed, and those whose credibility and is enhanced by the domestic and international performance. At the first glance this seems to be a prescription for reaffirming the contemporary reality of the US dominance, since it is clear that no country scores more highly on all three categories than the United States. But Himself admits that this is not so. Soft power has been pursued with success by other countries over the years. When France lost the War of 1870 to Prussia, one of its most important steps was to rebuild the nation's shattered morale and enhance its prestige. It was to create the Alliance Francaise to promote French language and literature throughout the world. French culture has remained a major selling point for French diplomacy ever since. The United Kingdom has the French-British Council. The Swiss have Pro-Helvetia and Germany, Spain, Italy, and Portugal have respectively institutes named for God, Cervantes, Dante Alighieri, and Chemours. In recent years, China has established the Confucius Institutes to promote Chinese culture internationally and the Beijing Olympics were a exercised exercise in the building up of soft power by an authoritarian state. Soft power in other words is created partly by governments and partly despite governments, partly by deliberate a- action and partly by accident. What does this mean for India? It means acknowledging that India's claims to a significant leadership in the world of the 21st century lie in the aspects and products of Indian society and culture that the world finds attractive. These assets may not directly persuade others to support India, but they go a long way towards enhancing India's intangible standing in the world's Eyes, The roots of India's soft power run deep. India is a civilization and over millennia has offered refuge and most importantly religious and cultural freedom to Jews, Parsis, several varieties of Christians and Muslims. Jews came to the southwestern Indian coast centuries before Christ with the destruction of the Babylonians of their first temple and they knew no persecution on Indian soil until the Portuguese arrived in the 16th century to inflict it. Christianity arrived on Indian soil with St. Thomas the Apostle who came to the Malabar coast sometime before 52 CE and was welcomed on the shore also orally, legend has it, by a flute blowing Jewish girl. He made many converts, so there are many today whose ancestors were Christian well before any traders, travelers, and missionaries rather than by sword, and which boasts the most unique church. The Indian mind has been shaped by remarkably diverse force, ancient Hindu traditions, myths, and scriptures. The result is unique. Though there are some who think and speak of India as a Hindu country. Indeed civilization today is an evolved hybrid. All of these and many other explanations have been made in Sashi Tharoor's Pax Indica. These explanations and discussions are quite important for understanding what diplomacy and soft power and all these international relations related terms are all about. To read and understand more, to stay tuned in divine buzz diaries diplomacy until then this was your host signing off for today take care